0: Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM
1: What a day of sport it has been Incredible stuff all day long still not over yet I'm absolutely exhausted From every single second of it It's been a day and a half Warren Abbey crowned the Munster Champions For the seventh time in a row Five interviews to come from the Munster Champions And we're going to get the main man himself The hardest working person in the business Jeremy McCarthy on to talk us through Daryl's going to hear from Middleton's After they were beaten today by Kilmallock. Monster. my word What a performance today against Wasps Absolutely incredible stuff Journalist Dylan O'Connell is going to be along in a while To talk to us about that. It's been the most dramatic Formula One race I can ever remember. Our own Aiden Lee, he's going to be on to talk to us about that. And we're going to talk to Spike O'Sullivan about another win for Katie Taylor as well. It's a packed hour of sport right here on the big red bench. Aye, aye. I've exhausted myself just doing the intro right here with you until 7pm and as always if you'd like to get in touch text 0868104106 tweet us as well at Big Red Bench if you'd like to get in touch with the show we're going to wrap up all today's action first off before we get cracking with uh, the more Abbey interviews and there's five of them to get through and Jeremy McCarthy coming up in just a couple of minutes but Morn Abbey. The Munster champions for the seventh time in a row. The Cork side have beaten Arlo in the Ladies Football Munster Club Championship Final today. Finish more than 410 Arlo 9 points. Middleton beaten in the Munster AIB Club Hurling Championship Final. 19 points to 1-9 by Kilmalik of Limerick. And Kilmalik will now face Bally Gunner in the final. After they beat Lockmore, cast Lightning to 11 to 12 points. Munster have beaten 14 Manwas, 35 points to 14 in their opening Champions Cup game. Keith Earls, Patrick Campbell, Andrew Conway, Scott Buckley with the tries to the visitors in Coventry as they secured a bonus point in what was a tremendous yeah. afternoon for the Reds over in Coventry. Earlier on, Connick beating Stafford on 36 points to 9. A bonus point win there as well. Crystal Palace 2 1 up on Everton in the Premier League. 73 minutes on the clock there. Crystal Palace had gone 2 0 up. However, Everton have pulled a goal back. Uh, through Rondon so they are now trailed by a goal it's uh, 74 minutes on the clock their full time reports come from the earlier kickoffs offs in Leicester a big win today over Newcastle Nikesh Raghani
2: it finished Leicester City 4 Newcastle United nil. Newcastle had their moments in this game and started the brighter with Callum Wilson looking lively but it was Leicester who got the breakthrough from a Yuri Tielemans penalty after James Madison was brought down in the area after the break Pats and Dakar doubled their lead with a close range effort before Dakar turned provider for the next two. Tielemann's second of the game looked to have sealed all three points, and then James Madison made absolutely sure in the closing stages. A much needed win for Leicester after just one in six before this. Newcastle remain in the drop zone, although there were some positives to be taken from their intent, at least today. It finished Leicester four, Newcastle nil.
1: The scores between Burnley and West Ham today, Pete
2: Smith. Burnley nil, West Ham nil, with the home team poor creatively, but once again, defensively corners and set plays provided Burnley with their most realistic route to goal West Ham were certainly more inventive with Declan Rice outstanding and prompting in in midfield and when they did fashion on target efforts they found Burnley keeper Nick Pope in top form having made quality saves in either half keeping out goalbound headers from Diop and Ben Roma and a late driven
1: effort from Bowen Burnley nil West Ham nil Manchester United, meanwhile, have returned a number of positive COVID-19 lateral flow tests. Players and staff affected were sent home from training today. The Premier League has been informed of the situation. Their next game is against Bretford in just two days. Tomorrow's Championship game between Sheffield United and QPR has been postponed due to a number of cases at the London Club. They say they have insufficient numbers to carry out the fixture after several positive test results among players and staff. Celtic beat Motherwell 1-0 at Celtic Park in the Scottish Premiership today. Earlier on, the leaders' Rangers beat Hearts 2-0 away from home. They're four points clear at the top of the table. Uh, Motorsport, my word. What? I still can't quite process... What I witnessed in those last five minutes. Uh, Max Verstappen crowned the champion after a dramatic Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, after a dramatic final lap, a final lap sprint finish uh, between himself and Lewis Hamilton, overtaking Hamilton, who had been leading. He was 12 seconds ahead. Safety car came in. Race director said that the back markers could overtake just a bunch of seconds before the safety car pulled in. That allowed Verstappen to get right on the gearbox of Hamilton and with Verstappen on newer tyres. It was brilliant. It was some of the best drama I've ever seen. And uh, I'm looking forward to watching it again later when I get home. So, we'll talk to uh, the big red bench's own Aidan Leahy, our resident F1 expert, about that in just a bit. Anthony McCormack came ninth best of the Irish in the senior women's 8,000 metre contest at the European Cross Country Championship in Dublin today. Elsewhere, the Irish men's under 20 securing team silver in the 6,000 metre event, and the under 23 men team got gold in the 8,000 metres. Darren McElhinney took individual silver. All right, uh, where to start on a day like today? But I think we have to start with Moran Abbey, the monster champions today for the seventh time in a row, beating Arlo today. John McCarthy, of course he was, was in Mallow today and caught up with Captain Breed O'Sullivan.
0: Captain Brito Sullivan you're freezing cold it's soaked <laughs> wet after a fantastic performance horrible conditions today but again Mornabi adapted and got the result
3: yeah like there was a really strong wind there today we were lucky to have it uh, we were with it in the first half when we managed to get a good you know few, few scores on the board and then it was just a case of keeping our lead for the second half so we knew that we'd be able to um, control the game in the second half if we were able to build up enough of a lead in the first half so we were just happy to be able to do that yeah Ian Marmini
0: was talking about the defence in the midfield and their ability turnover possession but the work rate of your forwards including yourself off the ball has been hugely impressive people that would have seen that again today it's obviously a trademark
3: yeah like you know Laura Fitz got a player of the match there she got three goals but like you know her work rate um, was absolutely outstanding today as well as it was with all, all of the forwards you know they found it really hard to get the ball out of defence which is something that we've been working on all year um, so we were really happy with that aspect of the perform- performance as well. looking forward to a Christmas break um, a few days anyway <laughs> we're playing in the middle of January now again yeah. and thank God so you know it'd be tough to be training over Christmas but we're, we're happy to be there as well Won't be long
0: coming around but I suppose that momentum that you've gained you'll probably get a couple of challenge matches or one game if you can get it because it's a big challenge now but look you're where you want to be All will learn to be fine let's look forward to
3: Yeah absolutely um, you know anytime that you're still involved at this stage of the year um, it's a massive bonus um, so you know you just have to take game by game um, you know and we're not going to look um, past uh, all our semi-final all our focus is on that now for the next couple of weeks
0: Well, hearty
1: congratulations well done we're delighted for
3: you <laughs> Thanks a million It's
1: Brito Sullivan there in conversation with your after today's impressive win over our, our going to hear from the boss Shane running
0: um, Shane in hard to congratulations Munster champions considering the conditions and considering you know the, the hard effort that you put in this year
4: are you happy with that performance? Yeah look we're delighted it was it was really hard to play football out there George today and I think um, you know no matter what type of football you were trying to play it was very very hard you couldn't even hand pass the ball at times and look it was very very hard for either team to play football so look we're, we're delighted with the, with the performance the effort they put in um, they really worked hard they did whatever we've asked them to do all year long and look it's, it's been a long year a uh, tough year we have a few weeks off now to I learn to be fine and look um, I'm delighted with them because they looked our fantastic bunch and all over the field again today brought on subs again they all contributed so we're, look we're delighted Joe Your defence your forwards
0: always get a lot of press coverage and rightly so but your defence again today turnovers, tackling it's clearly something they've been
4: working on Yeah look I think our defence is fantastic when they put their mind to they're, they're brilliant, you know, and uh, we didn't concede a lot today from play. Probably too many frees, but on a day like today, you're going to give away a freeze. So look, we're delighted with the defence. I don't think they had a goal chance, and I think Maven's save saved to make. I think that's fantastic, even against that win in the second half. Our defence was outstanding. You know, even from the kick-off point of view, we won every kick out in the second half. Uh, you look, I mean, think tackle count is fantastic, and look, we're delighted with that hard work they are putting in. Looking forward to that iron semi-final. Yeah, look, it's it's going to be an interesting. A new new pairing. Uh, I think it's done by and We're playing. Um, obviously, look there the, you know, the Sarnayans of uh, Vicky, Vicky Wall and Emma Duggan and uh, look they're going to take minding but look I watched their, their final last week they were very impressive against Fox Rock, Cabin Teeley um, you know look they're riding on the crest of a wave and I think we've got to be very ready for them we're, look it's great we have it in More Navi, so look we'll, we'll enjoy tonight um, we'll try and get through Christmas you know uh, hopefully everybody will stay safe and things like that and look on the 15th or 16th of January we'll be ready to go again Joe. because look it's arms to be final at home um, we don't know how Long more, we're going to keep going for, so we're going to make a now with well, the sunshine.
0: From everybody in the big red bench, congratulations, well done, mate. Thanks very much,
1: sir. Shane there, the Moran Abbey manager, absolutely thrilled with his afternoon's work from his side. Uh, an impressive performance, an impressive result for Moran Abbey as they were Crown Munster champions for the seventh consecutive time. Laura Fitzgerald, the hat trick hero, hat trick last week, hat trick this week. Here she in conversation with sure.
0: Fitzgerald here we are again at the end of an important game for Mornaby in the Munster Championship and a hat-trick of goals you must be delighted with your own performance but more importantly Mornaby are through to an Ireland semi-final
5: look I think that's the bottom line um, we got the result we wanted we just wanted to make it through um, today and literally just to the other side of Christmas I think to be honest um, at times I don't know <laughs> I probably could have done more but um, as I said team performance we got what we wanted got a nice score up again um, considering the conditions yeah. but um, I think it was down to literally the hard work of the outfield players they were incredible from start to finish I mean they deserve so much credit like from the back line off it was it was great to see like standing inside there in the second half I was winding the goals whatever but uh, some of the girls just didn't stop for the 60 odd minutes it was it was fantastic Yeah
0: because this time we the hear the conditions as well in the heavy pitch it's not easy but you either, you've you've coped with a lot of different situations over the last couple of weeks and now you're monster champions how much are you looking forward to be final
5: Oh, I mean very much so I mean I mean, like at the start of the year We kind of set out goals But like you can only take Each match as it comes Like step by step So um, Like we knew After the game last week What our goal was um, Just to get through today So I mean Like to be in all Ireland semi-final again Like since it started Like we would have Given anything At the start of the year To be out in the all Ireland series again So I mean will be going on out for up Cork and Munster um, out in the All-Ireland um, it's like it's a lot of pressure but I mean it's something that we'd relish on I think to be honest
0: Well congratulations to everybody in the big red bench and we'll talk to you in the new year
5: Thanks very much See you then Thanks
1: Yeah it's Laura Fitzgerald there speaking to Ger today going to hear from Wernabies in Romania
0: fantastic performance, horrible conditions, but Marlaby and Munster champions once again.
6: Yeah, look, we're absolutely delighted to be back here. This is exactly where we wanted to be at the start of the year. We knew we had to start out and have a good league campaign, which thankfully we did. We built on then, you know, to build for the, for the county final and everything like that. And thankfully things have just gone our way from, from there. And as you said, look, it's absolutely horrendous conditions today, but we dug it out in the end and we we're delighted that we made it over the line in the end.
0: You've been doing really well at the back. I spoke to Sharon Renan about your ability to make turnovers and tackles and something clearly been working on?
6: Yeah, look, we, we've been out uh, with tennis balls in our hands at training uh, because we were pulling and dragging the whole time. It was the only way to stop us pulling and dragging. Um, so we've been out with tennis balls in our hands practicing so that we couldn't possibly pull and drag. So I think we all tried to have imaginary tennis balls in our hands today. But, look, we definitely have worked a lot in our discipline and, you know, thankfully it is something that we've improved on and we're building on turnovers in the back. And then when, you you know, the calibre of players up front like you have, they, they can convert it in and make it, you know, very easy
7: and just
0: finally looking forward to Christmas break but an all to we find ourselves good in the new year
6: yeah look we, we'll enjoy the Christmas like we always do but look we'll be back to business in the new year
0: congrats again well done.
6: thanks very
1: much sir. thanks Mel I'm there of Moran Abbey after they were crown monster champions today one last interview from Jur and that is with Jono Sullivan. O'Sullivan
0: Jaron uh, O'Sullivan Sullivan, horrible conditions, but a beautiful day for Lord Abbey.
8: Yeah, very, very, very tough conditions. I don't think that can go um unsaid. Um a ferocious wind um always in Cargoon but especially today. Um look we got ahead at half time and all it was then was controlling the second half and retaining that lead.
0: Real composed performance in the second half as well by your defence. Must be delighted overall.
8: How related? Yeah, very well. Um look our lower some key forwards and I thought our defence did very well. Um they got in some really tough tackles, midfield tracking hard, and everyone working hard to turn over that ball. And when we did, I think um, Shane always harps on about a six-second rule that when you turn over a ball, it's about being calm then, and that's imperative. And I, I think today we tried uh, again, tough conditions, but our turnovers were a minimum today, which and um, uh, gave us a lot of opportunities up front then.
0: Yeah, just finally in all Ireland to final sounds nice, but a Christmas break probably sounds a bit better, doesn't
8: it? I <laughs> no, To be honest, um, I think. Uh,
0: You'd like the momentum of the game
8: yeah definitely um, look I don't know what the plan to be honest is for over Christmas but I think it's the third week in January we have to look forward to um, look obviously we'll celebrate this one once the finals don't come around too often um, but we, we've uh, all Ireland semi-finals to look forward to
1: congratulations to everybody in the big red bench thanks very much so that was the reaction from the Moran Abbey camp. Jerr uh, McCarthy there in Mallow Forest today. Ger, the stats speak for themselves, really seven monster titles in a row for Mornabi. What a phenomenal team.
9: Yeah, that sums it up, Rory. They were, um, they were excellent today in absolutely very, very difficult and awkward conditions. A gale wind that blew down the pitch that they had, they had the advantage of in the first half. They made full use of it and they built a 3-7 to not three lead at half time. Didn't concede from open play during that first half as well which is even more impressive it's one of the, big, the most impressive things today was well, their defence definitely but yeah they're a machine and uh, they've been superb they've been getting better and better since they beat Airoga in the Cody final they've made their way to a monster final and uh, Arlo can have no complaints with the performance and the result today more than happy deserving winners
1: How big a factor was Moran baseball playing with the win in the first half, sure?
9: It was huge because the match that preceded it, the junior Munster final, which we were also providing updates from, which um, mullen and Tipperary beat M M and Kerry, and they built a huge lead in the first half and then defended it in the second, and that's pretty much what it was. Like the goalkeepers' kickouts, to put a, to to give it some context, kicking into the wind weren't reaching the 45, and more often than not, go out over the sideline. It was that difficult today. Um, we had a lot of sheeting rain as well in the second half and, and, you know, kind of, you know, constant drizzle as well. So the players were certainly, you know, put to, put tested to the maximum today. Let's put it that way. But the wind was definitely, you, you'd be giving teams a five or six point advantage with it at the start of the game. But what was the difference today, Rory, from Mornabi's point of view, was their ability to get goals and specifically Laura Fitzgerald.
1: Yeah, she's having a week. A hat-trick last week, a hat-trick this week. Incredible stuff.
9: Yes, um, the uh, we I presented her with the Player of the Match award. It wasn't really herself and Durna O'Sullivan. There was a few other suitors there as well, but just Laura's finishing ability has been absolutely crucial for Mon Like she's got, it's one thing to get a hat trick in the monster final, but to get a hat trick at the semi final and final, um, and her all out work rate, I think, which is something Darren pointed to as well. With like, it's it's that when she doesn't have the ball, she's just as important, um, with tracking back and defending like all those Mon forwards are. It's a real team effort today, but Laura for sure has certainly made a name for herself in the provincial championship this year. And looking ahead, when they do play their All-Ireland semi-final, whoever that's against in, in the new year, it's in a tight, tricky game that you'll need Laura start sure to pop up with a goal or two. That can make all the difference, but she's definitely having a fantastic season. Who else stood out today, Gerrard? Yeah, there was, there was some really, really good performances there obviously Darren O'Sullivan once again doing her thing from freezing from winning a lot of frees as well as converting them. Kira O'Sullivan who's been coming back from a, a shoulder injury is looking back to her best as well and she's she's looked really good. In around own the middle as well, Emma Coakley and Navo O'Sullivan were very effective considering the weather, but it, it's that full back line and I've mentioned them before they don't get a lot of they don't get a lot of press but Mara O'Callaghan at centre back and Ashling O'Sullivan, Meany and Catherine Coakley, they turned over the ball so many times. They would have had Aherlow's forward line Emma. Morrissey in particular, running straight at them. Kieran McCarthy hurt their centre forward. And each time they did that, they they were able to get a tackle. They they didn't give away too many freezes, which is something Shane Shane Ranae was very happy with. But it's that ability to turn over possession and then quickly turn it into attack. It's something they've been working on again, which we saw a little of in the county final win over Airog, but something that's definitely coming to the fore during the provincial championship. Um, And that, that back six... To be fair to them, the, the entire back six from Moran Abbey and Maeva Ullman didn't have a save to make the, I think, which says it all. And that, that just shows you how good this back six is and they're going to need to be if they want to win another All-Ireland. But over the last couple of games and specifically today in horrible conditions, um, it was Moran defence and not just our Gerald Hatrick, that got them through.
1: And as you say, Gerald, the attention now is going to turn to that All-Ireland Championship. And uh, I suppose on that form, you wouldn't put it past them winning it again.
9: No, and uh, we, I, we just need to clarify who they're actually playing. It is going to be in Cork. And the, the semi-final is going to be in Cork or in Munster anyway um, in the new year. Um, we're not sure whether it's the Connacht Champions or the Leinster Champions. Now, if it's the Leinster Champions, which Shane Ronan seems to think, um, then that's Meath Meath Dunboyne who ended Fox Rock Teely from Dublin's um, you know, Leinster Championship brain. And a lot of the players in that Dunboyne team, including Picky Wall and a few others, would be very familiar to Cork ladies football fans because it's the Meath team. A lot of that Meath team that went beat Cork in the semi-final of the All-Ireland Championship last year sorry this year and went on to defeat Dublin in the final so but irrespective of who they play Rory um, Moorabi are focusing in on themselves and what they're doing this year different to other years when they've gotten to this stage is they're they're bringing on players uh, at different stages of the match they were able to bring on the KTO tool today they they brought on uh, Deirdre Cronin Ashley Cronin a lot of young players that are starting to get a lot of valuable experience in the Munster Championship in tight, really tough games. And that's going to stand to them because, as Shane said in his interview there, look, they don't know how long this is going to go on. But Mornabi have been, over the last 12 months, beginning to introduce a lot of new players. Ellie Jack is another young player. It wasn't her day today, but she's a fantastic player. They're starting to bring through the next generation of Mornabi players. And if they can do that while they're reaching Munster finals they're winning them and reaching all Ireland semi-finals, they're certainly going to be a force for a while yet.
1: All right, your Magic stuff. Thanks for us.
9: No bother, We we'll talk to you
1: soon. Well, right, that was John McCarthy, there host of oh, the Women's Sport Podcast on Red FM every Thursday at noon, talking about a, a dramatic day and a fantastic win for Abby today. Four ten to nine points is how it finished against Arlo. We recorded that just before we came on. Our jar text me while it was on to say that. Um, the confirmation of the All-Ireland uh, Ladies uh, Football Club semi-finals will be Munster versus Leinster-Connacht versus Ulster. So that'll be Moran Abbey versus Dunboyne of Meath in January, like Shane said in his interview at the uh, top of the show. In time added on at Selhurst Park, Crystal Palace 2-1 up on Everton. Five minutes to be played, number 30 seconds through the first minute of that. Uh, defeat today for Middleton in the Munster A B Club Hurling Championship semi-final, 19 points to 1-9. Uh, they were beaten by Kilmallock of Limerick today. Kilmallock will now go on to face Bally Gunner. In the final ballot, Gunner defeating Lockmore Castlini to 11 to 12 points. Going to hear now from uh, Geoffrey the Middleton boss, after today's defeat to Kilmallock, speaking to Dennis Hurley.
7: To, to the year. I suppose it was a, a game we never really got going
2: in. Yeah, it goes without saying. Disappointed. We uh, we prepared well. We uh, we intended to come down and take the fight to kill Malak and we, we didn't really. We never got into the game. Um, it just happened. It didn't happen for us in the day. We don't have any excuse. We don't. We can't say we didn't want we didn't want it, and we can't say we didn't play ourselves in the weeks leading up to it. Or do anything different in terms of um, our preparation for the. Uh, for this match compared to any match in the county championship so we're extremely disappointed but we're, we're proud of what we achieved this year yeah. in saying all that and, and, and the effort and the performances we got out of our fellows. so we wouldn't like this performance to diminish from that but it is a bit, of a, bit yeah. of a disappointment and we never we never got to the pitch of the game
7: Yeah, a couple of early wides I suppose maybe kind of affected the confidence a bit and
2: Kilmalik were, were getting the scores at the other end and 6-2 at the, the water break and they pushed on Yeah, we will try much the water break I, I think more at more half time if we got a couple of scores before half time Bank and kept it at a more manageable level. It would it would have made our task appear a bit easier. Yeah. And we missed a few chances throughout the game, which in general we've been getting throughout the year. And that makes a little bit of a difference. But you need to be getting all the breaks, and we needed in the second half to be getting a, to be getting off to a good start. And we didn't. We didn't. We didn't really want us to be going for goals so early. We we, we maybe we should have took a few more um, shots for a few more points. And when we got the goal, in the old school, and it might have been tighter. But overall, you couldn't take away. Yeah. the Merlech. they were worthy winners, three, and we wished them well going forward.
7: And like you say, it goes your overall obviously, and this this. War, to overshadow that the important thing I suppose is that lads take whatever lessons there are from this and, and apply them You know, when they face back into next year
2: yeah I think look, look we, we we have a young group but in saying all that every year is different and, and the problem the, the thing now for us is we face back into the county championship which is an extremely, extremely difficult uh, competition to win there are no guarantees you get out of your group next year not a mind get into the quarter finals so that's a, that's, a, that's a difficult thing so the disappointing thing about today is that we gave ourselves an opportunity and we didn't take the opportunity but we, we, we couldn't fault the lads for effort or commitment or education throughout the year. They were outstanding and we're very proud of them really. And look, we'll, we'll go to here with our heads up and our, and our chests out. Unfortunately, we didn't deliver on the day and you have to at this level.
1: The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. That's Jarvis Charles speaking after the defeat to Camalek Air. and speaking very, very well. In defeat today uh, was the Middleton boss. Uh, Chris Palace just scored a third goal uh, against Everton. It's uh, Chris Palace 3 Everton won um, deep into injury time Everton uh, winning the ball back in the corner flag uh, tried to take a free kick didn't uh, go to plan and it just uh, fell uh, to uh, Crystal Palace player um, Gallagher uh, who rifled into the top corner from 25 yards it's an absolutely beautiful 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 goal you have to see this one uh, a little bit later on a stunning strike uh, Let's put Crystal Palace at 3-1 up on Everton alright uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show what a day for Munster uh, beating Watts this afternoon in the Champions Cup um, in a game I suppose that not many people would have given um, would have given Munster I suppose uh, uh, much hope of winning that game today it's been a fantastic performance from them as they won 35 points to 14 the bulk of the Munster squad um, either self-isolating or still in Africa because of uh, Covid-19 issues so an incredible performance from that uh, journalist Dylan O'Connell will on uh, duty for the Irish Independent today on their minute-by-minute updates. And I got a chance to speak to Dylan uh, about Munster's win just before we came there. All right, for more on what was an incredible day for Munster, I'm joined with a man who is uh, reporting on it for the Irish Independent today, and that is Mr. Dylan O'Connell. And Dylan, um, not sure many people would have given Munster much of a chance heading over there today given what had happened over the last two weeks. That is an exceptional result for Munster and it has to go down as one of their very best.
10: Well, like Munster are one of the most storied clubs in Irish rugby and going over there today, everything that could have went wrong, went wrong. They th- they had 34 players quarantining in Ireland. There was 12 quarantining in South Africa. And I think, I think people realise as well, the last time Munster won away in England was, was three years ago in the, this coming January. And okay, Wasps aren't in good form, but it's still away from home with a very depleted squad, like 12 players today from the academy made their debut and Munster went out. They absolutely blitzed uh, Wasps in the second half and they ended up winning 35-14. What a game. What a game.
1: It was the exceptional stuff from the Reds from the start. I mean, there were so many impressive performances today. You had Patrick Campbell, Scott Buckley, Owen Connor, Daniel Keke. It was just very, very impressive from Munster from the 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 younger battalion, I suppose, of the Reds.
10: Yeah, like I suppose two years ago, if we go back, Scott Buckley was captain in Christians in the Munster Schools Senior Cup. The day he he was scoring a try for Munster away from home. The same with Patrick Campbell. In fact, two years ago, he won the all Ireland minor football title with Cork. And today he scored a brilliant try at the start of the second half uh, for Munster. So it was like a day scripted for the club to make history. Just all the academy players, even the fight who started the game, were just impressive from the first whistle.
1: Yeah, it certainly was. How big of a factor was the red card for the uh, Was captain Brad Shields? It was 27 minutes gone. Um, I saw a lot of, I suppose, comments from from neutrals and non-Munster fans said it might have been a bit of a harsh red card. What was your view on that? And how big a factor was that in Munster's win today?
10: It was a harsh, I suppose, it was a harsh red card because Dave Coin got up straight away. I just carried, like he carried on with the game. It w- Like the momentum shift happened at the end of the first half. Munster were. Munster were on Wasps' goal line, they're trying to get the try. And then what, uh, there was a second, one of the Wasp players was sent to the bin, so they started off the second half with 13 players. And that's when they blitzed Wasps at the start of the second half. Like That was the real momentum shift, but it was 15 versus 13 at the start of the second half. Like, even if you look at it, when Wasps did get the, when Wasps did go down to 14 men, they scored a try five minutes later and, and took the lead. So it didn't really have that much of an impact on the game.
1: Exactly, yeah. and I suppose just looking uh, across the pitch as well, Peter O'Mahony had one of his best ever games in a Munster shirt today there might have been a lot of pressure on him as captain today to lead by example considering everything that's gone on in South Africa again since so those players have come home um, so he was obviously feeling the pressure but he went out and turned that pressure into a captain's performance that I suppose uh, ran Scott Buckley very close from out of the match
10: Like People often talk about like, definitive performance of a player when you look back on their career, like Roy Keane against Netherlands in 2002 with that tackle on Lars Overmars. Today there was Peter Armani. In the first two minutes, Wasps broke through Thomas Young. And just as he went to get to the goal line, Peter Armani grabbed the legs, brought him down, ball slipped out of his hands. He couldn't get it over the goal line. It was a fantastic performance. Like, it just, he just set the tone for the game with that tackle within the first two minutes.
1: Not all good news for Munster today, Dylan. Joy Carberry going off injured his arm in a sling. Um, he looked solid enough today when he was on the pitch. Um, of course, he's had a, had a very tough time with injuries throughout his career. Munster will be hoping that it's not very serious, but that's, I suppose, the one black mark on uh, Munster's card today.
10: Yeah, like, today was was in his sixth game of the season, I think, and, like, he was really coming into form. Like, he scored the the penalty against the All Blacks to kind of ensure victory last month. Even today, like mentality-wise, today he was an unsung hero of the performance. Wasps got the the try bid with midway through the first half. He then missed a very easy penalty from, from in front of the posts, and a minute later he then scored a penalty to make amends for it. Like mentality-wise, that was huge for Munster. So him getting injured will be a psychological blow for the blow for them mm. and like it really is the only black mark on a brilliant performance.
1: As I mentioned at start, not many people would have given Munster a chance of winning today they have done that what does this do for Munster in terms of the rest of the season and the boost that's going to give them?
10: Like they're away they're home next week to Castray and momentum wise that's huge to kind of bring into a home game uh, bring into next week's home game at Thoman Park after such a horrible few weeks for the club, you had, with the COVID cases, Joey Carby's injury, they can bring that back now to Thoman, but the Thoman roar, now to push them on next week. That's, this, this is huge. Also, it wasn't just, let's say, Peter manny got the win, Conor Murray got the win, Joey Carby got the win. It was academy players. So, like, people can see that there is something building here mm-hmm. and that like, people will get behind that over the next couple of weeks and months. Certainly so.
1: Uh, Dylan, pleasure talking to you today, buddy. Thanks for talking to us on the big red bench. Thanks, huh.
10: right. Thanks, Roy.
1: That's Dylan O'Connell there speaking to us about a fantastic win for Munster today against Wasps uh, incredible stuff, it was just an absolutely brilliant performance from the Reds, I'm sure they're going to take an awful lot of uh, just a positives from that performance and move on now, uh, to cast as then said uh, next week. Right, still to come on the show we are going to talk to Spike O'Sullivan about uh, another win for Kelly Taylor up next, though, we're going to talk Formula 1 and that dramatic end of the season
2: Missed the show?
0: Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red
7: FM.
1: Right, Roy here with you on the Big Red Bench. Uh, full-time report from Ian Beach at Selhurst Park as Crystal Palace. Palace have defeated Everton. Crystal
0: Palace 3, Everton 1. Connor Gallagher scored twice including a spectacular long-range effort in the third minute of injury time. Palace have ended their run of three consecutive league defeats. They were the brighter side for most of the first time. Gallagher gave them the lead, James Tompkins made it 2-0 scoring at a call in the second half Everton substitute Salomon Rondon pulled one back with 20 minutes left, and then Gallagher put it all beyond doubt with a shot in off the underside of the bar Crystal Palace 3 Everton 1
1: Right, as I mentioned at the top of the show earlier, it was just a dramatic Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Uh, Max Verstappen winning, overtaking Lewis Hamilton on what was the most incredible, bizarre, dramatic, heart in your mouth lapse of Formula One I've ever seen in my entire life. The Big Red Bench is on. Aiden Leahy is our resident F1 guru, and he joins us on the line now. And, Aiden, I've never seen anything like that before.
11: Uh, well, I mean, a, a petty finish to probably what is the pettiest sport of all. Like, I mean, the race made absolutely no sense uh, in consistency by the stewards from start to finish, and uh, now everyone's just waiting for um, the drive to survive to come out on Netflix, basically.
1: <laughs> Talk us through not just the last lap but what had happened previously because the safety car came on and when the safety car comes on this changes the race because Lewis Hamilton is well out in front at this point he's cruising to the title safety car comes out slows everything up Uh, what happens after that
11: well uh, well I suppose from from the start like there was inconsistency by the stewards because in the very first lap uh, Max Verstappen who was actually on pole position got off the line really slowly he was on soft tyres and Uh, Hamilton was on mediums. Everyone was expecting Verstappen to race into the lead. That didn't happen. Going into turn six then in the very first lap, Verstappen makes a late lunge down in on Hamilton, and this kind of sets the whole tone for the race, really. Uh, Verstappen is a really aggressive driver. Lewis doesn't like anybody seemingly challenging him on the track, and neither does Toto Wolff because he didn't come off the radio for the whole race onto Michael Massey, the race director. Um, The stewards didn't investigate Hamilton going off the track. Verstappen, it seemed to be pretty fair. Like, I mean, it's it's, it's aggressive racing. Uh, Hamilton goes off the track and gains a massive advantage. The stewards don't investigate. Usually in that position, Hamilton would have to give his place back. That didn't happen. And uh, the stewards let it go. So from then on, it it really looked kind of a somber affair. And I suppose until uh, Checo, Sergio Perez, Max Verstappen's teammate, uh, that you know it, he brought Max Verstappen right back into the race because around lap 21 he had a massive battle with Verstappen Perez inherited the lead because of pit stops so Max Verstappen went into the pits and so did Hamilton so Perez stayed out he then holds up Verstappen or holds up Hamilton and brings Verstappen right back into it however then that didn't really last long either Hamilton again the Mercedes just had had the pace of Red Bull like you know there they, he stormed into the lead again about 5 or 6 seconds then there's a virtual safety car. So this is like the first of the the safety car uh, debacles Mm. when there's a safety car. um, So you have a safety car and a virtual safety car, a virtual safety car realistically just brings in like a speed limit on the track. You have to keep the car in a, in a positive Delta. So you have to stay within a certain speed, but it does give you a cheap pit stop is what they would say in the business. Basically because everyone on the track is going slower Usually, I think the time today was about 23 seconds for a pit stop. It brought it back down to maybe 15 or 16 seconds. So for Verstappen goes in, he pits, and Hamilton stays out. Now, ultimately, this decision by Mercedes to leave Hamilton out on the old hard tyres, well, proved to be the deciding factor yeah. if it was that simple. But it wasn't that simple because then, with about five or six laps to go, Nicholas Latifi in the Williams goes into the wall and then we have a full safety car and this is just mayhem then the, it, it all ensues from then there's a handful of laps the clock is ticking you have to get a recovery vehicle out on track to take the car off the track clear the track and then usually under normal protocol what would happen is back markers so cars who have been lapped by the the leaders which was i think uh i don't even know what was left out there at that stage Saints and uh, hamilton and and verstappen um they would have to be left through. Now this was getting really close. It was it was the second last lap, and they let I think five or six cars through. Now actually I forgot. At the, like I said, cheap pit stops with a safety car for stopping pits for soft tyres, brand new soft tyres. And Hamilton is still out on the old uh, hard tyres, which he stayed out on under the virtual safety car. So this is like uh, twenty laps later almost. Uh, so for stopping now, brand new set of soft tyres. This is. This is the chance for first happen. But was it was were they going to get uh, the green flag in time? Was this race gonna finish under the safety car? And was the championship going to be decided behind the safety car f one decided that that wasn't going to happen? They didn't want to do that. And they waved through about five or six cars, which is I mean, it's totally against rules what they did. Like, I mean, that's why it's probably gonna end up in a, a massive legal battle by by Mercedes. They give the green flag on the very last lap. Verstappen straight away attacks Hamilton. Uh, goes for him from, from turn one. I think it's about, I think it might be turn six again. The famous turn six from the first lap that he gets past Hamilton. And um, Hamilton almost gets past him again. But I think the tyres were was what mm. uh, decided in the end. Verstappen's tyres, brand new set of soft tyres. He breezed on through and took a race win which will probably be the most... uh, It's one of the most historic, definitely the most controversial win in in modern history of F1 anyway.
1: Yeah, it was one of the most traumatic things I've ever seen um in my many years of watching the sport, but just to go back to um the back markers who were allowed to unlap themselves. You said this is unusual um, and that 's probably going to be what a lot of this is going to focus on afterwards is that those four or five cars were allowed to unlap themselves, allowing Verstappen ride right up onto the gearbox of Hamilton to allow that one lap shootout
11: pretty much I think like it was it was like the 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 race directors just decided. Let's get rid of the backmarkers (laughs) who are actually influential in the race. Who cares about the other backmarkers? Which uh, was at that stage, I'd say, possibly uh, one of the Aston Martins were way, way back. It wouldn't have. It would have taken too long for those cars to get up and around and catch up again. Like the race would have been over. Effectively, the race would have finished behind the safety car at that stage. So it was was as if they decided, okay, we let as many through as we can up to lap, up to the end of lap fifty-seven. And uh, whoever's through by then is through, and whoever isn't isn't. But I mean, that's not really the laws of F1. Like you know, it's not protocol. It totally floats the protocol. But again, like I said, I mean, the FIA, the FIA are the most inconsistent governing body. And I mean, we've seen a lot of inconsistent governing bodies of sports in our time in Ireland, especially. But this crowd, like, just they are so inconsistent, and this race epitomises. All of what the FAA are about, if you ask me, mm. it, it rules to suit themselves as they go along to suit the teams. You know, I mean, like uh, to be honest with you, like Mercedes, like there's no way they were allowed to speak to the race director the way they were speaking to them through the whole race. Anyway, uh, Toto wolf on on the on the blower to to Michael Massey, the race director, when uh, when it was Jovanazzi's car that that forced the virtual safety car, pleading with him for there not to be a full safety car when it was a matter of safety for marshals to go out there and recover the car like i mean that's it's wrong it's wrong from him so i mean they're all wrong really nobody is totally in the right here nobody's an angel mm. at the end of the day
1: there was obviously a lot of pressure that christian Horner, the red bull chief had put on there the race director michael massey at the end uh, right up to the last lap when that decision was made to allow the back markers to pass <laughs>
11: Yeah, I, I suppose that's that's kind of half the battle, really. I suppose it once he he had seen that that Total Wolf was doing this, he felt <laughs> entitled to do the same thing, and that's kind of where it all stems from, you know. If, if if people are going to start, you know, breaking with regulations halfway through the race, then then everyone else is going to decide that they they are able to do the same mm. thing. Um, I suppose it was just all about getting getting to the the green flag to race and get that safety car in before the last lap to give Verstappen that chance. And I mean, it was. It was pretty nailed on that once Verstappen got a chance to race at Hamilton at that last lap with the new tires, it was a slam dunk for Verstappen, barring him totalling the car and losing control, like which you know we saw in in, in the race last week uh, when he was on a perfect uh, lap to go for pole and possibly win the championship last week. He he has that in him where Verstappen can push it too far and go off track. Uh, so it, look it. If Toto Wolff is going to be on on, on to the race director for the whole race, then I'm sure Christian Horner felt he was totally entitled to do the same thing, and you can't really argue with it, really. Um, and it it look it, it, the sport really did need a new champion. Right. And Lewis Hamilton is hailed as a great sportsman, and he is a great sportsman. I wouldn't be the biggest fan of him myself, uh, but it, it, look. It, I mean, he he has raced in similar circumstances to to Max Verstappen. I mean, he was equally reckless in 2016 when he was fighting with his teammate Nico Rosberg for the championship. So, I mean, there's there are stones and glass houses in every single department of F1. You know, yeah, certainly. So, um, as you mentioned
1: earlier, you like this could end up in, in a legal battle. Is that where you think it's 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 likely to end up, or is it just the case now that Mercedes have to take their oil basically and just congratulate Red Bull and say well done that?
11: I think they will probably spend the next couple of weeks deciding that. I mean, these guys have an endless bit of money that they can throw (laughs) at this thing and bring it all the way to the, the, what is it, the the court of arbitration for sport if they want to, which is not beyond the realms of possibility. There's 98 days to go until the new season. Now, the only thing is um, this new season is a totally different car, totally different regulations. So whether Mercedes want to spend their time working on their car for next season or spend the next 98 days battling this and bringing it to court and seeing, I don't know, what they're really going to do. I mean, if the, if the race was was like, uh, if, if the result was struck off and the race went down as, as I don't know, uh, void, then Verstappen wins the championship anyway because he would more races won than, than Hamilton, even mm. though they were level on points. So really, I, I guess it would, it would just be better for Mercedes if they were to take this. Whether they will or not, I'm sure they'll go through the normal appeals of a race day anyway. Uh, whether they'll go into a legal battle after that, it's in, it's up to them because they will have to work on their car for next year. You know what I mean? They will take focus off of it. if they're going to court and trying to battle this. It will be them versus F1. Red Bull probably won't even be involved. Red mm-hmm. Bull will be able to stay out of it. They'll be able to work on their car for next year. Um, well, Mercedes have probably possibly more work done anyway than Red Bull. But still, I think it's possibly just something for, for Mercedes to park. And maybe after they've exhausted the regular appeals they can go through on a race day with the with the, the stewards and the racing directors, they might just leave it. I mean, they still won the Constructors' Championship at the end of the day, eight, eight in a row for them as well. Like that's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a clean sweep. They're the most successful constructor now of all time, you know. Um, and fair enough, Lewis didn't win his championship, but Mercedes did. And they might just leave it there.
1: All right, Aidan. It was a fantastic, uh, fascinating end to what was a very, very interesting season of Formula One. Thanks for joining us this evening.
11: Doubt about her. Thank you very much.
1: The Big Red Bench's own Aidan Leahy there, uh, our Formula One expert, talking to us about a dramatic day in Abu Dhabi today. Now, Mercedes did file two uh, appeals, to protests uh, against the classification of the uh, race result today. Uh, one of those has been dismissed and that was for um, the alleged infringement over uh, Max Verstappen overtaking behind uh, the Abu Dhabi safety car. Um, that has been dismissed. Um, so, it's it, the main one really is, um, so it's all going to get very technical now, but um, one of the rules that they are complaining on is 48.12, which is unless the clerk of the course considers the presence of the safety car still necessary, once the last lapped car has passed the leader, the safety car will to the pit at the end of the following lap. So basically, Mercedes' argument is that all the cars should be allowed to overtake the safety car or none of the cars should have been allowed to uh, overtake the safety car not some of them which is what happened which is what allowed uh, Verstappen to get right behind Hamilton for that final lap so going to be uh, an interesting um, result on that one so I'm not sure when that result is expected but we will keep an eye on that Uh, meantime I'm just going to hear briefly from Max and Lewis speaking uh, after uh, today's uh, dramatic events
12: it's insane I mean I don't know what to say these guys here of my team and of course all as well they they deserve it i love them so much and i really really enjoy working with them already since 2016 but this year has been incredible
2: christian, christian said with
12: 10 laps to go um, you might need a miracle to win this championship you got it your happened. miracle yes finally a bit of luck for me um, yeah insane i also want to say a big thank you to Checo. i mean he was driving his heart out as well today it was great teamwork and he's an amazing teammate
10: you, you've given us the most exciting championship this year yourself and Lewis. Uh, this this year will go down in history as one of the best ever and you came out on top have you got a message for your team for all the fans
12: here that are supporting you well to my team I, I think they know I love them and I hope we can do this for 10, 15 years together there's no reason to change ever I want to stay with them for the rest of my life I hope uh, they love me but uh, yeah it's insane I'm so happy and Also, you know, Christian, but also Helmut, you know, trusting me to be in the team in 2016. Our goal, of course, was to win this championship, and now we've done that.
11: Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, firstly, a big congratulations to Max and to his team. Um, I think we did an amazing job uh, this year. Uh, my, My team, everyone back at the factory, all the men and women we have, and here worked so hard uh, this whole year it's been uh, the the most difficult of seasons and um, I'm so proud of them so grateful to be a part of the journey with them and uh,
10: yeah we gave it everything uh, this last part of the season we gave it absolutely everything and uh, we never gave up and that's the most important thing You obviously started a little bit on the back for the start of the year but as you said you guys worked together very strong into the season Um, didn't quite go your way but I think we've seen Lewis Hamilton I've ever seen um, and you seem very confident in your ability to come back next year and fight for that crown again. Oh uh, Yeah of course I've been feeling good uh, great in the car this this past um, uh, couple of months particularly at the end.
11: Um, if, I, if I'm honest you know we were still in the pandemic and I just really wish everyone to stay safe and have a good Christmas with all their families and, and uh, yeah, we'll see about next year. Classy stuff from Lewis
1: Hamilton there when you consider how annoyed and frustrated and angry he must have been at the, uh, the end of that race. Uh, but yeah, Max Verstappen has things stand and I think it's going to be the way anyway, is the world champion. And that was one of the most dramatic pieces of sport I have seen in a very, very, very long time. All right, uh, going to switch our attention now to boxing and uh, Katie Taylor in uh, decent form last night, uh, continuing her uh, unbeaten run as a professional and a uh, good performance from her last night, defeating Kazakh fighter Faruza Sharapova in Liverpool last night. 20 wins now, no defeats in her professional career. Unanimous points decision, not exactly vintage. Katie Taylor got the job done. Um, our own um, boxing pro, Spike Sullivan. Uh, join me just before we came on air to talk about a fantastic win for Katie and what might be next Okay, for more on Katie Taylor's win last night as uh, she remains undefeated joined uh, by our good buddy Spike O'Sullivan to talk about the fight Spike not a vintage Katie Taylor performance but she got the job done
7: she got the job done, she got done what she needed to, get, to do, like she was to win the fight and I think it was a bit hard to get up for her. She was a, a couple of levels above Sharapova, you know, so um, I think motivation wasn't maybe there for that particular fight. You know, Shar- yeah. She's just done, done what she needed to do.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sharapova, as you mentioned, a couple of levels below and I suppose that showed in the later rounds when Sharapova was just more interested, I suppose, holding on to Taylor and smothering her work than trying to fight her.
7: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think from the very outset, it was kind of apparent that she was never kind of going to be in the fight, I didn't think. And uh, she was tough, though, and uh, she stuck in there and tried her best. But, uh, you know, as I say, Kay Taylor was just uh, too good for her.
1: Yeah. Um, as always with the case with Kay Taylor as well, it's, her conditioning is phenomenal. I mean, like she goes through the, these 10 round fights and just looks very, very fresh at the end of it. And it was again the case last night.
7: She does. I think uh, at times the fight was a bit scrappy last night. Um, as well. I think you know the if they adjusted it from two minute rounds to the three minute rounds, you know the uh, world championship men's fights are Ten or twelve by three-minute rounds. I think uh, this should make maybe make the women's ones a uh, three minutes long as well. They're ten by two-minute rounds. I think they should make it maybe ten by three-minute rounds. I think yeah. uh, their rounds will be less less rushed and they they have the opportunity to show more skills and rather than just trying to get everything done and in, in, in within two minutes, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Better,
7: yeah. There's a bigger challenge um, lay ahead for uh, Katie. I think uh, next, she might fight uh, Amanda Serrano, uh, yeah. maybe in New York. I think that'll be a, a better fight. And I think uh, Serrano's a far superior opponent, I think uh, we'll see the best of Katie against uh, an opponent like her
1: yeah Serrano's 7 weight world champion Eddie Hearn said it would be the biggest female fight possible if he could make it as you said it would be a huge box office fight uh, across the globe and it looks like that might happen in the new year so that would be a, an incredible fight if it does happen
7: hopefully I think it might uh, there will be a lot of money involved and I, I think it makes sense but I'd, I'd, as I said I'd like to see it uh, by 10, 10 by uh, 3 minute rounds so I think uh, you know I, I just think it will suit him better
1: so, as we finish, I suppose, 2021, Spike, so and head into 2022, uh, what's on the cards for Spike O'Sullivan, I guess?
7: Um, I might just have a little bit of tennis elbow, but I've an issue there. I mean, um, to get it sorted out next Tuesday. Uh, so, um, I oh, for hope for a quick return after that and to get back in training uh, early next year, maybe fight in March, I think, in uh, Florida, I think. Yeah. That's what going on, my predictions have planned for me once I'm, once I'm fully fit.
1: Yeah, it's been a while since you fought. I suppose. It's been kind of frustrating, I guess, is it?
7: has, yeah. Although I've been enjoying it as well, you know, it's a great spending time home with the family and, uh, you know, at this time I get to relax uh, coming into Christmas, whereas uh, previously I'd been training up and down, back and forth to Dublin, doing training camps prior to Christmas, but this time I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, knowing that I have no fight ahead in January or December, so uh, I look forward to this Christmas a lot.
1: And running the roads after Christmas won't be fun though. It's a <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
7: running off a bit of pudding, like and yeah. Uh, uh, I'm trying to keep reasonably fit, and uh, so I don't have too much work to do to get back in shape. You know, I'm con- consistently in the gym uh, training my coach, Dave O'Connell, doing strength uh, twice a week in the gym, and I'm doing a lot of cardio outside lot as well.
1: Um, finally, and just away from boxing um, completely, um, a good news story today for those who had missed this: Spike's snowman was stolen from outside his house earlier on in the week. However, in the last half an hour, hour it's been returned to you.
7: The last twenty minutes, I said yeah, I <laughs> just uh, just got returned there. I took the call to yourself. We delayed the call over it. Um, yeah, delighted. the kids are absolutely delighted. You know, were, my uncle he's Tommy, he's only five. You know, and he was really missing the snowman. Um, you know so uh, I he came back he was dropped
1: back Was it a case of like that person might have seen your social media tweet during the week and there was footage of them taking the snowman that you, you didn't show their face but you gave them a chance to return it did you think that was <laughs> what did it that, that, that kind of that social media post that you put out
7: oh without no question yeah i mean like i did have a clip of their face but i just wouldn't have done it like they were young you know the people make mistakes and they just give them the chance to you know to you know put the right wrong it's just my, my my son like he was he was upset about it and i, I wanted to snowman back for him but look i wasn't gonna put their face on social media and you know because hmm. you know, it wouldn't be nice i say you know people will be looking down upon him maybe or giving Giving them grief, then so we just wouldn't kind of go down that road, really. Like, and so was it? You Spurs just
1: did you just get a knock on the door? And, did you just get a knock on the door and the snowman was waiting outside? Was it
7: pretty much? Yeah, yeah. I seen on the camera, the, it was the same person, the same jacket, and the, they put the uh, snow outside the door and ran off, you know, which is which is fine. That's <laughs> well, you
1: know? a, a Christmas miracle. <laughs> it was a good, good, happy ending, champ. A pleasure is always, talking to you. Happy Christmas to you and yours. Back at you, already. Thanks very much, and I'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, that was a really good news story there. Uh, Spike's kids getting their snowman back. Uh, fantastic. Miracles do happen at Christmas. Fantastic stuff. And great shot to Spike. Uh, about boxing as well. Uh, but more importantly, his snowman is back alright very quickly going to hear briefly from Kelly Taylor in a post fight interview uh, after last night
12: Uh, she definitely wasn't tougher than I expected I think everyone else thought it was going to be an easy enough fight but we were definitely well aware of the challenge she was obviously a good amateur she had a good uh, amateur pedigree we knew that she was technically very good so we were prepared for a tough fight it went exactly the way we, we planned really um, she was very scrappy inside, she was holding alongside. it was hard to get off, but overall uh, it's uh, my 20th fight, with 20 wins, still on field, still on the field, so I can't complain.
9: Prepared for a bit of a war as well, when she realised it wasn't going her way, we saw elbows, the head came close to clashing as well a few times, but you handled that so well as always.
12: Yeah, I mean this is professional boxing, this is um, exactly what it's all about, you're, you're going to get things that. we, were, we are prepared to, um, for whatever came her way tonight. Um, So I'm just happy to come out with another win. I think it's my my 15th defence of a world title. So uh, it was uh, another fantastic win.
9: That's ridiculously impressive. How would you sum up the year now? Three fights in the year. Tasha Jonas, Jennifer Han, and now Shara How would you sum up looking back?
12: Yes, it was a great year. And uh, this obviously prepares us for... Uh, all the big fights for next year all the the, the, the names that we have um, mentioned over the last few months jimana serrano's uh, jessica mccaskill's uh um whoever else um so we're we're ready for a big big 2022.
4: Uh, it
9: brings us on to what could be there for 2022 eddie she mentioned some names there Amanda serrano jessica mccaskill chantelle cameron if she gets past Callie reese what is the plan for 2022
4: for Katie Taylor? Because you can see she wants to go against Ray Hoy, doesn't she? Yeah. She always wants to fight. The plan 100% is Amanda Serrano at Madison Square Garden. That is the biggest fight in women's boxing. Katie's been wanting in that fight for a long time. And you know how difficult it is in these mega fights. She's an undisputed champion. She's boxed two mandatory challenges in the last 12, 13 weeks. They're out of the way. She's, she's taking care of her obligations. It's now time to make a historic fight at Madison Square Garden. That's the fight people want to see. It's the biggest fight of all time in women's boxing. Amanda Serrano fights next weekend. Have discussions begun if Amanda Serrano does come through that fight? Yep, we were, we were at Madison Square Garden a couple of weeks ago. Um, they love the fight. Uh, Jake Paul, most valuable promotions. Those guys love the fight. It's their (laughs) chance to be involved in history as well. Amanda Serrano fights next week. We wish her the best of luck. They now have the contract. They're reviewing the contract. If she gets through next week, I'm almost certain April, you'll see Taylor Serrano at Madison Square Garden.
1: Yeah, it's uh, Eddie and uh, you heard from Katie Taylor there as well after last night's uh, win for Katie 20 and oh, That is it from us uh, for the Bench Tonight podcast available shortly redfm.ie. Enjoy the rest of Sunday, folks. We'll be back next Saturday at 6. Green and Reds up next. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.